If you're visiting with us today or new to our membership here at Congregation, we've been working our way through the book of Genesis, and uh, we come to the 29th chapter this morning. As you're turning there, you saw another insert in your bulletin today re- regarding the Acts, the three-man show. This will be, this, uh, well, there'll be two performances, April the 1st and April the 2nd. They'll be held at Open Door Baptist Church. Carroll's Creek Baptist Church actually is sponsoring this. But church, let me tell you, this is amazing. It's an amazing performance. Go to their website, check it out. This is a Broadway quality production where three men act out the entire book of Acts sharing the gospel. I mean, this is, there, there's a $10 ticket fee that we'll be selling here at the church. You can purchase, but it'd be great. And the whole idea there is when you purchase a ticket for somebody, they're more apt to go. Hey, look, I paid for this. If you're like me, you know, you're cheap. I paid for this. You go with me, come. And, but you'll be, you'll be pleased. You'll be blessed. It's a great opportunity. It's not just Alberta Baptist Church. The whole community is working together. We want to be a part of, of, of something great. So please make a special note of that. And we'll be telling you more about it. But it begin now to make your plans to be there. Genesis chapter 29. We continue our study through this great book. And we come, you know, we've, we've met a lot of people so far, haven't we? You know, we got Abraham and Sarah, and they have Isaac and Ishmael, and we're, we're kind of beginning to kind of pare it down. From now on, we'll be looking at two main characters, Jacob, and then we're going to be introduced to one of his sons, Joseph. And Joseph will be the longest story in the Bible pertains to the life of Joseph. And we're going to get into that, and that's an exciting adventure there. But we're still looking at Jacob right now. We were introduced briefly to Abraham and Sarah's son, the son of promise, Isaac, you remember? And as Kobe said a couple weeks ago, Isaac is really a transitional character. And, and when he made that statement, it's so true, isn't it? And as I got to thinking about it, you know, as parents, we should begin with the end in mind. Now, Isaac was important, but he was not to fulfill the promises. The promises were fulfilled through him. But then he had two sons, Jacob and Esau, who we're studying now. I I just want to stop and do kind of a a thought here about parenting, okay? If you have small children, and even regardless of the age of your children, you need to be praying for your children. But especially if you have small children, I want to encourage you to begin with the end in mind. Teresa and I, you know, I've said many times, I believe our greatest contribution to the kingdom will not be in us or through us, although God, hopefully God will use us. But I believe our greatest contribution will be through our children. And that's the way, that was the mentality we had as parents. And I want to encourage you to begin with the end in mind. And the goal is not to raise well-adjusted children. But the goal is to raise godly adults. And God will use you in that process. Isaac was a transitional character. We're transitional characters. We need to minister with the next generation in mind. That's what parenting is all about. We are one generation away from an ungodly society. We need to be pouring our lives into our children. And as I've said as a pastor, if I fail at home, I failed. And I think you should, when you think about ministry, that's where it starts. So there's a sermon. Let's take that invitation, have the invitation, we'll go. All right. Now, all right, we're just getting started. But I encourage you to begin with the end in mind. Jacob in chapter 28 has a mountaintop experience. He's at a place called Bethel. Now, I was thinking about this. How many have ever been to a Bethel Baptist church? Let me see your hand. I know I have. 
That's where Bethel comes from. And it's great to see all these Bible names, okay? But Bethel, he was at Bethel. He had this encounter with the Lord. And it, it was a, a, a very mountaintop experience. In chapter 28, he had this personal encounter. But as, as often the case, the mountaintop experiences quickly fade when reality sets in. And that's what happens. We, that's what we see from Matthew, I mean, from Genesis 28 to Genesis 29, reality sets in. And in Genesis 29, we have a story that I've entitled A Story of Love and Deceit. <laughs> Sounds like a Hollywood movie, doesn't it? But this is, what it, this is real life, church. A story of love and a story of deceit. But as, J, as Jacob leaves this Bethel experience, he is a different man. So we want to begin by looking at the story of Jacob's amazing transformation. Then Jacob, verse 1, went on his journey, and he came to the land of the sons of the east. He looked and he saw a well in the field, and behold, three flocks of sheep were lying there beside it. For from that well they watered the flocks. Now the stone of the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, they would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and, the, and water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, My brethren... Why are, where are you from? And they said, we're from Haran. He said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? Remember, Nahor was Abraham's brother. And Nahor had a son named Bethuel. Nahum also had two boys named Huz and Buzz. I'm going to put that in every time I can. I love that. So Huz and Buzz were Nahor's uh, uncles. Uncle Huz, Uncle Buzz. And they said, we know him. And he said to them, is it well with him, with Laban? And they said, it is well. And here is Rachel, his daughter, coming with the sheep. I love this part. Then Jacob, he said, behold, it's still high noon. It's not time for the livestock to be gathered. Water the sheep and go pasture them. Church, you know what he's doing? He sees Rachel. He sees these shepherds. And he said, let's water your sheep and get out of here so I can spend some time with this girl. That's exactly, Go. It's not time to get this. Y'all move on so I can spend some time with Rachel. Verse nine, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came closer with her father's sheep for she was a shepherdess. When Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went up and rolled the stone, this large stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And this is my favorite part too. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted his voice and wept. This is Valentine's Day, guys. When you kiss your wife, lift your voice and cry. That's the romantic thing to do. Now, I think about this. He kissed Rachel. He lifted his voice. What did he do? Wow. I don't know. Maybe. Or, hey, he lifted his voice. He yelled. He was excited and then he wept. Uh, Jacob was an emotional man. Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and that he was Rebecca's son and she ran and told her father. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. God, we pray that as we look at the life of Jacob, that Father, we can see that history really is his story, your story. And God, how you are involved in every detail of life. God, we thank you even in the difficult times of life that you are working to accomplish your purposes. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us 
As many of us have been deceived, we've been lied to, we've been hurt, mistreated. God, help us to see your hand and your grace in the midst of the difficulties, all circumstances of life. God, we love you and ask you to speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is a a story of Jacob's, first of all, his transformation. We see this in verse 1. Then Jacob went on his journey. The Hebrew says that Jacob lifted up his feet. Lifted up his feet. It's as if Jacob now has a new spring in his step. He is on, he, he was on the run. Remember when he left his house, he left for two reasons. Number one, we see in, Gen- in Genesis 27 that his mother said to him, flee to Haran, to my brother Laban. Stay with him a, listen, a few days until your brother's fury subsides. Remember his brother Esau was mad because Jacob had not only stolen his birthright or sold his birthright to him, but also he'd stolen his blessing by deception. Jacob had deceived his father into blessing him instead of Esau. So Esau is angry. So Rebecca says, go to my brother Laban, stay with him for a few days until your hot-headed brother cools off. So in essence, Jacob was on the run. But then at the end of chapter 27, we saw also that Rebecca says, these local girls are driving me crazy. Look look at that. She said that I'm tired of living because of these girls, Genesis 27, 46. I don't know what it was about the local women, but she did not want Jacob to marry a local girl. So she tells Isaac and Isaac sends Jacob off to find a wife. You remember Abraham's father had done the same thing for him, sent his servant, and he found Rebecca. So it worked well for Isaac. Now he's doing the same thing for his son. You go back to your mother's people and find you a wife. Church, remember, it's important that, that the bloodline, the promises of God, this is key in the promises of God, the fulfillment of God, that, that Jacob would not marry a local heathen girl, but he would go back to Haran and marry one of his own people from there. So Jacob is on the, on a mission. Really, he's on the run, isn't he? He's on the run. He's running from his hot headed brother. And we see that. I believe that there's one of the transformations in Bethel. Jacob is on the run and then he meets the Lord, has a personal encounter with the Lord in Bethel. And then no longer is Jacob on the run from his brother, but now Jacob is on a mission to fulfill God's purpose, to fulfill God's plan, to find a wife in Haran, a beautiful love story. But at Bethel, as Colby said last week, it was a life-changing experience for Jacob. At Bethel, uh, Jacob learned that God is everywhere. There is no God-forsaken land, that God is everywhere. He also learned that God is awesome. As he saw a glimpse of God's glory there with the angels ascending and descending on the staircase. But most of all, Jacob learned that God is gracious. Jacob was a fearful, scheming deceiver. And yet God spoke to this man and said, I'm going to be with you. Look at 2815. I love this. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. This meeting with God changed his life. 
Can't, can't we say the same thing? That I was a fearful, full of fear. I was a deceiving, deceitful, selfish man, just like Jacob. And then, you know, when I met Christ, the Lord began to change my heart. The Lord began to change my life. We can say the same thing. When we meet the Lord, our mission changes. We no longer live in fear, no longer living for ourselves. And we begin to learn what it means to live for His glory. So we see a transformed man. Uh, now Jacob has a new spring in his step. He has a new purpose. And this purpose is related to God's promise there in Genesis 28, 15. I've got a plan for your life. You know, that's what the world needs to hear. That's what our young people, many of us need to hear, even in old age, that God still has a plan for our life. That I want to use you. That I want to work in you and work through you. And I have a purpose for your life. And I will not forsake you. That's what God said to Jacob. And those were life-changing words. What do we see? We see God's purpose. We see God's presence as Jacob had a personal encounter with God. And then we see God's promise. So Jacob no longer is on a, a man on the run. He's no longer living in fear. Now he's a man on a mission with a spring in his step. But notice how he changes. Jacob is no longer a mama's boy hanging out around the tent with his mother. That's the way, isn't that the way he was first described? He was a peaceful man hanging out with his mother. Now, what's he doing? He's rolling away large stones all by himself, watering sheep, tending sheep. He's out in the fields working. He's on a mission to get a wife, and he ends up with two wives. That's a good number. Anyway, he, he's a different man. He's not a mama's boy anymore, but he's out in the field. He's working because he's a man with a purpose. A man with a purpose. And let me just say something to our men. God created us for a purpose, to have a purpose. God created us. Adam was working in the garden before the curse. Work is not the curse. God creates us as men for a purpose, to know God, to have a relationship with Him. And if God's given you a wife, to be a godly husband. If God's given you children, to be a godly father, to lead them, to work, to be the spiritual leader in the home. And ladies, that's not a, a, a slam at you at all. I believe that when a woman finds a godly man that she can follow, she'll willingly do that. And submission is not a bad thing. A woman follows her husband as a husband follows Christ. And that's a good thing. I believe Jacob is transformed into the beginning of a man of God. A man that God will use in a mighty way. And really, this is just the beginning of the transformation. Later on, we see where God changes his name. What does he change his name to? Israel. Israel. Jacob becomes Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel, his sons. And so here we have a man right in the middle of a transformation. And it's kind of exciting to see. He's being transformed right before our very eyes. And let me tell you, when we meet the Lord, we begin to change. If you've been a Christian for a long time or called yourself a Christian and you don't see God changing you, you know, there's something wrong. As I ask our folks all the time, are you growing up or just growing old? <laughs> There's a big difference in it. We should be growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jacob was being transformed. But let me tell you this. God's transformation is amazing, but it's seldom easy. It's seldom easy. The story of Jacob's transformation. 
We run into, secondly, the story of Laban's cruel deception. Here's the deal. So Jacob now meets Rachel at the well. And so he goes home to Rachel. And Laban is there. And, La- and Rachel, uh, Jacob begins to work for Laban a month. Laban comes and says, I'm not going to let you work for me for nothing. What do you want? What can your wages be? Look at verse 15. Because you're working a relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what should your wages be? Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and face. Now Jacob loved Rachel and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. So Valentine's Day, men, look at verse 20. Jacob serves for seven years. Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. Guys, you've got to work that into your Valentine card somewhere. Okay. I asked a guy one time, been married a year, said, how's, how's your, how's the married life going? So it seems like five minutes underwater. No, you know, seven years <laughs> was not a long time for Jacob because of his great love for Rachel. Now, Teresa and I have been married 429 months. Seems this is our 37th Valentine day. We realize today, but it seems like a short time because of my great love for her. But Jacob worked seven years. Now look at verse 21. After seven years, Jacob comes to Laban. Give me my wife, for my time is completed, that I may go in to her. Men, let me tell you again right here. This tells us that Jacob's relationship with Rachel was pure. For seven years, he'd been working. For seven years, he'd been around Rachel. But yet he had never had improper contact with this beautiful young woman. So after seven years, he asked Laban, give me my wife that I might go into her. This is a a relationship of purity, a relationship of integrity. And men, that is your responsibility to protect your bride-to-be, I believe. And I know it works both ways, but I believe men should be the leader in that responsibility. And Jacob was a man of integrity. He protected the integrity of his wife-to-be. So, give me my wife that my time is completed. But remember now, Laban has two daughters. We meet Leah. We met her in verse 17. And Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful of form and face. So what do we know about Leah, the older sister? Her eyes were weak. Of course, everybody knows what that means. No, nobody knows what that means, really. Here's what I I read. Let me just tell you. Her eyes were weak. It means she was droopy-eyed. She was less than beautiful. She didn't have the sparkle in her eyes that Rachel had. One writer said this. I thought it was kind of funny. There are those with beautiful brown eyes. There are those with beautiful blue eyes. There are those with beautiful green eyes. And Leah had weak eyes. But we just know that Jacob loved Rachel. And in Jacob's eyes, Leah didn't measure up to Rachel. As we'd say in South Alabama, Leah was not the pick of the litter, okay? But anyway, Rachel was the younger sister. Leah was the older sister. And for some reason, Jacob was not attracted to Leah. But here's what happens. Verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife for my time is completed that I may go into her. 
Laban gathered all the men of the place and made a feast. And this was important. This is our first clue right here. Laban draws a crowd, which is, you know, that normally have a wedding celebration. But he wanted the leadership of the community there to see what was going to happen so that Jacob couldn't back out. Okay? He's setting Jacob up. Now in the evening, he took his daughter Leah, remember the older daughter, and brought her to him, and Jacob went into her. Laban also gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. Then it came about in the morning that behold, that's an interesting word, behold, what? Jacob thought he was going to bed with Rachel and he woke up with Leah. Behold, what a shock. Behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served with you? Why then have you deceived me? So again, in our minds, it's hard to imagine this, but a lot of celebrating, a lot of dancing, the communities together. There's a lot of food. Uh, there, there's so one guy said, well, Jacob probably didn't see Rachel until they probably were right there together. Rachel, Leah was a part of the family. They were all there celebrating together. They maybe they had a little bit too much to drink or whatever. But Jacob goes to the tent waiting for his bride to enter and then enters his bride all covered with the customary veil. And again, just more than just the face, probably entirely. The, the bride comes in in the night, in the dark, and Jacob thinks it's Rachel. And he sleeps with Rachel, with Leah that night, wakes up the next morning, and he is deceived. Isn't this ironic? The deceiver is deceived. Laban, Laban tricks Jacob. If you remember, Rebecca was the one who schemed the whole plan for Jacob to get the birthright. You know, there's a lot of deception on Jacob's mama's side of the family. And here, Jacob has met his match with his uncle Laban. Jacob is deceived and he gets Leah instead of Rachel. So Jacob loved Rachel. Still. And he said, I still want Rachel. So Laban says, you can have her if you will serve me seven more years. Another seven years. And he gave an excuse. It's our custom. It's our custom to marry the older off before the first. But church, what, ha- what has happened in, in Jacob's life? And let me just tell you what's happened. He's had a major setback. A major disappointment. Let me remind you this morning that God uses life's difficulties for our good. And remember, God's purpose in our life as Christians is not to make us happy, but to make us holy. God has predestined that we would be conformed to the image of his son. And church, many times that is not a pleasant process. Many times we encounter disappointment. Many times we encounter our own We're deceived, we're lied to, mistreated. But we know that God is working for our good. Look at Romans 5, 3. Paul understood this. He said, we exult in our tribulations. What does exult mean? We get excited, we're happy. Can we say that? I'm happy when somebody mistreats me. Can I say I'm happy when somebody deceives me? If Jacob knew Paul, he could say that. Man, this is great. 
God's working in your life. We exalt in our tribulation knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance, proven character. Proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's given to us. Now this is our New Testament, the Testament of grace advantage. We have the Holy Spirit to encourage us in this process. But we know that God is working through every, every circumstance, every situation in our life to make us more like Christ. And church, many times it involves disappointments. Yes, and even deception. Jacob suffered injustice at the hands of a family member. Let me just ask you, have you ever been deceived or mistreated or taken advantage of by family or friends? Probably most of us could say yes to one degree or another. They've let us down in some way. It may have been an employer or a fellow employee or a neighbor. How do we respond to these bad situations in our life? Do we just think that God's forsaken us and God's not working any longer in our life? No, just the opposite. We begin to realize that God uses negative circumstances to drive us closer to Him, to make us more dependent upon Him. As Paul says, we realize that His grace is sufficient. Therefore, I will boast in my weaknesses. I will exalt in my tribulations. Now that's a hard, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Easier said than done. But as believers, again, we see the perspective that God is working even through the negative things. Life can be difficult. Life is often unfair. But God has not forsaken us. He's doing a work in us to conform us into the image of His Son. We have the promise of His Word, Philippians 1.6. Kobe mentioned this last week. Paul says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. If you're a Christian here today, God has begun a work in your life and he will see it through. Life may be difficult. There may be some twists and turns that just seem unfair. But remember, God is working in your life and through these circumstances. Of course, Jacob didn't have Philippians 1.6, but he did have Genesis 28.15. God had told him per, per, personally, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. So let me just, as we begin to move on from this, let me just encourage, don't run from difficult people. Don't run from difficult situations or circumstances. Don't run until God gives you the Okay. So many times we want to change our address and God wants to change our heart. We want to change our job and God wants to change our heart. We want to change our marriage and God wants to change our heart. God is at work and he will complete it. God's purposes will be accomplished. He will keep his promises. God's transformation is amazing, but it is not easy. And oftentimes it's not instant. Let's look at Jacob's life a little further. Jacob serves Laban 14 years. Seven years for he thought Rachel, and he gets Leah. Seven more years for Rachel. And then there's another six years. We find this in Genesis 31, 41. Jacob says, these 20 years I have been in your house. 
I served you 14 years for your daughters and six years for your flock. Remember, they had this deal, this sheep thing going on. We'll talk about later. But he says, I served you six years for your flock and you've changed my wages 10 times. (laughs) Not for the better, I promise you that. Not for the better. So Jacob, remember Rebecca's words? You flee here to my brother Laban's house for a what? Few days. A few days turns into 20 years. Have you ever felt like that? God, you just forgot about me, hadn't you? I mean, I was looking for this thing for a few days, a few months. And a few days turned into 20 years. Let me remind you, God's delays are for God's glory. It takes six weeks to grow a squash. It takes a thousand years to grow an oak. Which one do you want to be? (laughs) I mean, it takes time. As my friend Dwight Goosby says, God doesn't run his train on my track. You know, God has a plan for us. Let me tell you this. We can't trust God's timing if we don't trust God's purpose and God's plan. Let me say that again. We can't trust God's timing if we, can't, if we don't trust God's purpose and God's plan. And again, we don't see this explicitly in this chapter, but we see that Jacob was there for a total of 20 years. And he comes back a better man, God's man. You know, God is at work in our hearts. And church, many times it takes a long time. We want instant knowing. We got drive through this, instant grits. We, got in, we want it quick. But God says, no. Warren Wisby has a book called God's Not in a Hurry. And I just remind you this morning, God is not in a hurry. It takes time. It takes time for him to accomplish his purposes in our life. You know, looking back, we can say that students, we can say that Jacob spent 20 years in the Lord's graduate school. (laughs) 20 years. I crammed four years into five myself, but it wasn't long enough. But we we, we want to get through in a hurry, don't we? God said, no, all he could cling to was the promise of God. And he did. So he was content to trust God's timing. We can't trust his timing. if We don't trust his promises and his plan. Then we'll be content. So we see Laban's deception, but also we see quickly the story of Jacob's undying devotion. Verse 26, but Laban said, it is not the practice in our place to marry off the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also for the service, which you shall serve with me for another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week, and he gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. Laban also gave his his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maid. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban for another seven years. As we close, Jacob fell in love with Rachel. Church, it was love at first sight. When he saw her at that well, he tried to get rid of those other guys. He loved Rachel. H.I. Hester says, this is the beginning of a romance which lasted through the years and was terminated only with the untimely death of his beloved Rachel years later on their return to his ancestral home at Hebron. Remember, Rachel will die in childbirth with Benjamin. But this was a till death do us part love affair, a love story. And again, men and women, this is what marriage is all about. Till death 
doest part. Jacob served another seven years. And he ended up with two wives. You know what God's punishment for polygamy is, don't you? It's two mother-in-laws. But anyway, Jacob avoided that because he married sisters. Now, I love my mother-in-law, don't I? Don't I? Yes, I do. We share the same birthday. But uh, Jacob avoided that. But his, his undying devotion to Rachel was witnessed by, the, he gave his most valuable asset, which was his time. He gave 14 years of his life for this woman because he loved her. He loved her. And let me tell you, as we've said many times, the opposite of love is not hate. It's what? Selfishness. Selfishness. Paul says in Philippians 2, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than yourself. And do not look out for your own personal interest, but for the interests of others. Guys, today and ladies, Valentine's Day, the day of love, is simply to be unselfish, to consider the other person as more important than yourself. Not to look out for your own personal interests, but for the interests of others. To serve. And that's what Jacob did. He went from selfishness to servanthood because he loved this woman. You know, I got the whole thought about Jacob's transformation from the interpreter's Bible. Said that Jacob was a different man after he met Leah. I mean, after he met, he was different. After he met Rachel. But as I looked at it, Jacob was a different man. Not after he met Rachel, but after he met the Lord. In Genesis 28, he's the Lord is the one who transformed his life. But Rachel was a part of that. And that's a beautiful part of the love story. People ask, young people ask, when am I ready to get married? You're ready to get married when you're ready to give rather than just to receive. J- Jacob gave the most precious thing he had 14 years of his life. We see in this story that it really is God's story. God's grace shines through in all the events of Jacob's life. God graciously gave Jacob the woman he loved. God graciously blessed him with 12 sons and daughters. Blessed him financially and he returned him to safely to the land of Canaan. Even blessed his return to Esau, which we'll see in a, in a week or so. All of that is a result of God's grace. God works through love and deceit. God works through the good things and the bad things that happen to us, church. We've got to realize that God is faithful to His purposes. God is faithful to His promises, which leads to the greatest love story of all, the story of God's gracious redemption for us. And this is it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's love story, God's story of redemption. That love is a love that transforms people, knowing that we're loved, knowing we're accepted by the Father, by the creator of the universe, changes us. Like Jacob, through Christ, we now experience his presence. Any one of us at any time can come into the presence of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And until we meet God personally, we are still living on the outside. This is eternal life, that we may know God the Father and know His Son. We can have a personal relationship. We can encounter His presence. He reveals Himself to us through His Word, through His Spirit. We have His promise. He will not leave us or forsake us. And we now have His purpose. We live for His glory. We're all on a mission. 
to live for the glory of God. It changes our purpose. And he will complete his work in us. We will go through difficulties. It will be a long process. But he will perfect the work that he has begun in you. Jacob encountered the Lord in Bethel and he was never the same. Let me ask you, have you ever encountered the Lord in a personal way? Do you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are at work all around.